Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. And also, uh, this day in history, Longhorn fans will remember it well. Uh, This is the day that Colton Vasek officially flipped his commitment from, well, he didn't officially flip it from Oklahoma. He went from Oklahoma to decommitting from Oklahoma, then flipped it officially to Texas. Uh, but, yes, Colton Vasek, the Westlake prospect, um, is now uh, verbally committed to the Longhorns, and we assume he's done flipping. Uh, mm-hmm. I would think so because— <laughs> He's a legacy as well. And it says, staying home yeah. committed. First off, I would like to thank God for all the opportunities he has blessed me with. Mm-hmm. I would like, I like to thank— that. I would like to thank Coach Venables and Coach Chavis, along with the rest of the OU staff, for all of the love and the belief they have shown in me. It's classy. I have nothing but respect for Coach Venables and his staff, but my heart has been in a different place. Mm. With that being said, I would like to announce that I will be committing to the University of Texas. Hook them. Isn't it amazing what winning will do? In terms of the recruiting momentum, all you do is win. Yep. One at, at K-State. Yeah. The rest will take care of itself. No, you come in here and show out this weekend, Lord, Lord, Lord. Yeah, you, yeah, you beat TCU <laughs> Lord, and Lord, Lord. Texas possibly could jettison yes. that recruiting class get, yeah. uh, to the number one recruiting class in the country. Yeah. You could end up getting several other mm-hmm. flips. Yeah, right? some guys be, that just started their decommitment from other places. Right, we saw calling Sark a little flip. Right yeah, here, right? just <laughs> flipping it. All right, all Love over it. the place. Love it. Um, so that, that's uh, the right now what's happening. The dumpster fire happening in Aggieland right now. And the Sooners underachieving with the Longhorns mm-hmm. controlling their own destiny as it relates to the Big 12 championship. Uh, I think the country's starting to take notice, obviously, because TCU uh, not only coming to town, but so is game day. Yeah, so all, all eyes will be on Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas football team. And they have a chance mm-hmm. uh, for the first time in a long time to change the narrative about Texas football. Um, and this is a great position to be in. And they're, you know, they put themselves in this position. Yep. Don't beat K-State, you're not in this position. Right. Rod B is on there screaming right now. People, you know, I mean, Longhorn fans are angry, and it's a totally different mood and the vibe. Giving out the game plan for TCU yeah, and how they just, can execute. Yeah, you know what I mean. But now, no, it's not at all. Yeah, everybody's right. in a good mood, and the Longhorns have a real uh, chance uh, to, like I said, change the conversation about Texas football. Speak, I do have a question for ahead. you. The last time, I think it was the <laughs> first time they said that Texas beat. A top five team. 99. Was 99. Were mm-hmm. you on that team? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman, though. Yeah, but still. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, in the so he was part of that happiness. 
I do remember. Yeah, ninety nine. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that was a uh, that was crazy. Mike Jones. Who? Uh, <laughs> Mike Jones was like the hero of the game. Yeah, ended up uh, making, making a, a big huge play, play in yeah. that game. Yep. Um, yeah, there was a it, it was surreal, but it was Mac. I don't know if that was Mac's first signature win, but it was definitely the wake up call for the the nation yep. about Texas football, and that's what Sark's trying to replicate right he wants this to be the wake-up call that no no texas is back we ain't got to say it right you just saw it just we're we about to you show saw up it. everybody yeah. needs to shut up don't say it everybody saw it yep. yeah i mean you don't need to say it and didn't take from that point on texas just kept gathering momentum and more and more momentum yep. for the program took it took it probably longer than longhorn fans would have liked to win the the ultimate prize the national title uh but from that point on mac you know established the standard i mean it was he started winning ten games two years later and right. never stopped winning double digit games. That was until, a beautiful thing. Yeah, until what, 2010. When he went eight and four and they wanted yeah. to run him out. Yeah. I'm exactly. like, man, I'll take that today. Hey, and Max Ballin right yeah, now. Yeah, Mac Max is <laughs> in the mix. Mac knows how to coach yeah. ball. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows that. But uh yeah, no, I think it's it's really, really uh a, a you know, a, a great thing and I think for Texas just showing the trajectory of the program right now, um, it's it's really positive to be in this position. Mm-hmm. You know, just two years in to Sark's tenure. Uh, we'll see if they can take advantage of it. But getting back to the Colton Vasek uh, recruitment or in his commitment now uh, to Texas, one of the things I bet Texas sells and they have to sell is the development now. That's one of the things that used to be probably the biggest negative recruiting tool against Texas, their lack of development. Correct. And they still haven't done it, obviously, to a well, we haven't any done it to with, with any uh, extend for an extended period of time. I should say they just yeah. did this year. There are clear examples of Texas and the development of certain players. What well, you're talking about, Jalen Ford? I think the entire interior defensive line is probably in that Correct. conversation too. JT Sanders is in that conversation as well. The offensive line, a lot of those guys in that conversation too. And that's something that the Texas coaches, I think, can sell now. And I'm not saying that's what made Colton Vasek flip at all. I'm sure there were other things involved. But that's no longer a, rec- a negative recruiting tool against Texas for this staff right now. Because they're showing in the short time they've been here, man, that there are there are guys that have gotten better from year one with this staff to year two in this system with this staff. Right. And uh, Kendrick Coburn is probably the best example, honestly. Is there a better example than Kendrick Coburn? No, no, no. Well, there's two. I mean, you just named them both. You look at Keandre Coburn and you look at what Jalen Ford has done. Yeah, Jalen Ford is great, but I would say Jalen Ford is a young player. So we didn't know we knew what Kendrick Coburn was. Yeah, we had yeah, already decided. Fair. We had yeah. already yeah, made we had our already, mind up. We had already. We didn't know what Jalen Ford was. We had already was. signed that had, paperwork, right? Well, exactly, yeah, right? So I wrote you off, and then I didn't write back. <laughs> exactly. That's Kendrick Coburn right now. That's very fair. Jalen Ford was a young player who had flashed. We're like, you know what? We don't know what Jalen Ford is going to be. Yeah, and that was still out there. Kendrick Coburn. I would say ninety five percent of Longhorn fans made their mind up. We know what Keandre Coburn is. Yeah, we know exactly who I he would, is. I would agree with that. I and would then, definitely agree. And with this that. year, we have no idea who Keandre, Keandre Coburn is. Yeah, he's a he's playing at an all conference level. Every week we see him rated the best as the interior defensive line and pass rushing. Yes, it he's, be, he's he causing a, a problem as a right pass now. rusher. It's a, it's unbelievable, um, but we a, did hear at the beginning of the year about Bo Davis, and we were, and how we were talking about. Remember, 
Bo Davis is one of the best defensive line coaches in America. That's what Sark said. And it's said. about to start showing. Yeah. And there it is. Uh, no, and uh, we have a, a cut here of you know them talking about, of Sark talking about, you know, Keandre Coburn and his statement about Bo Davis uh, and how much he owes to Bo Davis about his development. Um, but, you're, I mean, right, going into the K-State game, Texas was leading the country in mm-hmm. pressures. Yeah. The country. Mm-hmm. They're 108th in pressure rate last season. And they came into the K-State game leading the country in pressures. And the game-saving play was a pressure that created a forced fumble right. by Kim J. Coburn? Right. you got to be kidding me. That is, a, that, that is mind-blowing development. And you're right. Got to give Bo Davis a lot of credit. So here's Sarek uh, yesterday talking about the development of Keandre Coburn uh, and his relationship with Bo Davis. Well, I think that's... As a coach, you know, that's why we do what we do, you know. Um, you know, I, I know we always want to look at stats and performance and wins and losses, but, man, we have, a, we have a real responsibility to develop these young men into grown men. And I think whether it's Coach Davis or Tashar Choice or Kyle Flood or whomever, you know, our, our job is to develop these young men into men on the football field, in life, and to hear a player that that's his response after making a critical play in a game, um, that's that's why we do what we do. You know, we all want to win. Don't get me wrong, but man, deep down, that's that's the beauty of of all that we do. Um, I, I give Coburn a lot of credit. He's worked at his craft. You know, he thought about a year ago potentially leaving and going to the NFL, and we said, you know. If, this is where you need to improve your game, one of which was rushing the passer. To be a complete player for the NFL, you had to improve your game at rushing the passer. And he's been impactful rushing the passer, you know, condensing the pocket, doing those things. And so to make that play the other night on a sack, fumble, uh, to ultimately seal the victory, I think for him was really gratifying that he's put in so much work. And now there's, the, there's kind of the reward in the end of, man, it's all kind of paying off for me. So happy for him. Um, but I think he'll be the first one to tell you there's more out there for him, too. So he's working at it. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I set that up uh, terribly. He, uh, the question was about Keandre Coburn's statement after the game that he would, he would die for uh, Coach Davis. Yeah, that, that was kind of what it was about. <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you finally find that coach that gets you where you need to be, yeah, it's like leadership, right? When you get to a place where you feel comfortable and you can have real conversations, and that conversation is this: is what you need to do. This is how you're going to get there, and I'm going to give you everything you need, but I need you to g- give me everything you got. And everything is starting to come into place now. You know, obviously, we've had some hiccups throughout the season. There are certain things, but one thing we've all agreed on: that defensive line has played, has moved mountains from where they were before. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's that defensive line right now, to me, is the biggest surprise of the team so far this year. And that was supposed to be a strength, but not to this extent, not considering what we saw last year. And behind running back, it's been the most consistent part of the team this year. And a lot of your leadership is there. Yeah. You're Kendrick Coburn. Tavondre Sweat's a leader on the team as well. We've talked about Byron Murphy. We've talked about Byron Murphy being kind of an old soul. Uh, someone here says, what about Alfred Collins? Alfred Collins has stepped up. Yep, he's And they've used him better. in the interior yep. D-line as well. So it's And they're going to need it uh, in this game versus TCU. I'll get into that in Raj round the day, actually. And I, the, the interior D-line may be the saving grace 
in terms of how Texas can upset TCU. Right. Um, and we'll get into that uh, coming up in Roger Rams today because I've already been doing my TCU research. Uh, but let's talk about another player on defense. And you and I both hard to agree that Jalen Ford can, at this point right now, he's in the conversation for defensive player of the year in the Big 12. Yeah. He's, he's for been, sure. He's been playing at that yes. high a level. And the, the last game versus K State, I mean, all the a lot of the pivotal plays defensively, he's there. He was in the, the mix at some part of it. Yeah, yeah, he fumble exactly. recovery at the end of the game, yeah. the interception uh, there at the end of the first, first half. Yeah. I believe mean, it's a fum- force fumble. He was yeah, all one of them the force field. fumbles yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was in every category you needed. Oh, he man. showed up in the statistics, dude. He's just yeah, he's just a force of nature for them. Um, and Sark actually you know, was asked about Jalen Ford and his ascent and his development. I think. You're talking about Anthony Hill, who is a linebacker, who is the number one player in the in the state who decommitted from AM. Man, that's another guy. You got to point yep. to development and go, you, you seen what Jalen Ford is doing? Yeah. Just took him one year. I just needed one year with him. He's a three star. He didn't have all your all, he, he didn't have all your raw materials. Right. You give me one year with your raw your raw materials. And let me mold you. And let me, mold, let me you. mold you. And I'll turn you into something special. Here is uh Sark uh Monday talking about Jalen Ford and how much he's improved. Uh, Jalen Ford has been tremendous. Um, guy's a turnover machine right now. You know, it's two games in a row or, you know, two endings of games where he's recovered a fumble. He's gotten two interceptions in the last three games. Uh, he's leading the league in tackles right now. He plays on special teams. Um, and I think that combination of he and Demo working together in there has, has, been, has been really beneficial for us as a defense. Has he become more vocal? For sure. For sure. I think it's like anything. You start playing, you start making plays, you get confidence, you start getting more belief in what we're doing and who's supposed to be doing what, and that's when that, that, you know, that voice starts to come out a little bit more. Leads to Big 12 in tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, got two sacks, 14 quarterback pressures. He's second in run stops uh, in the Power Five, actually, among linebackers. He has two interceptions that leads to big 12 linebackers, three forced fumbles. He's second in the FBS in that category. Also two fumble recoveries in his last game, K-State, 10 tackles, six run stops, uh, sorry, six stops, three run stuffs, one forced fumble, one interception, one fumble recovery, and one quarterback pressure. Dude was all over the damn place. Yeah. Uh, but he, 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 listen, nobody's perfect. Someone said he did get lost in coverage. So, you know, I said this. What, Nobody mo- plays a couple of months game. ago. He he is susceptible uh, in you know in drop coverage because uh, he doesn't take you know his drops are not deep enough at times. They're too shallow and he doesn't read route combination really well. But he's still young, so that's gonna improve and get better for yeah. him. And by the way, hell, he's probably as good at it as Demarvion Overshone is. And Overshone's been out there a long time, and Overshone's a safety. Yeah, that's playing yeah, linebacker, linebacker and that's right. still gets exploited at the second level. Honestly, guys, ninety percent of linebackers get exploited that way. That a lot of most passing concepts are built on the ineffective drops of linebackers. So you, that's exactly what <laughs> no, you no, want. That's serious. right. That is a, That's why they're always yelling. Where is the middle exactly. linebacker? They don't ever say no, where no. the safety is. They it's always a, yell where yeah, that linebacker it's is. There's a few guys that that do no. it well. A few linebackers, but even the ones I played with, they never drop in the covers like no, they're supposed to. Because their job do. is to not. Somebody out. Well, and That's what they their want. eyes are always occupied with right. pre snap motion or the play action pass. Mm-hmm. So trying to look like, for keys. Yeah, they're a yeah. dog. Yeah, you know, they're a dog with a bone. And then they got to drop back in coverage too. Nobody has more burden on them than the modern off ball linebacker. Nobody right. in football. 
Nope. Nobody. With the new RPO game and pre-snap motion and play-action pass and all the package plays and everything, No, and, and quarterbacks now that are mobile and can run, nobody has more of a burden on the off-ball line. So you get one that's productive, that's making plays, um, you know, be happy with it. Because yeah. most of most off-ball linebackers are just lost. They don't make any plays at all, really. They're just lost. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ford makes plays in the run game. He is and not a liability. He is susceptible to, you know, obviously drop coverage and second-level crossing routes and things of that nature. But he still makes plays, though. He's got two interceptions right. when teams try to explore him that right. way. And he's he's got two fumble recoveries. I mean, so, he's in the middle yeah. of the. He makes he's plays. about he's around the action. He's averaging yeah. nine tackles per game. It's it. You just don't do that. You don't you unless you are playing at a very high level. You're you're learning your keys and you're recognizing where the play is going to be. Those are huge things that we we said it coming into the year. That was one of the positions we were worried about. Yep. We were worried about the linebacker position. We didn't know that Jalen Ford was going to be this guy. They kept telling us during the offseason, mm-hmm. he's having a hell of a camp. Yep. He's having a hell of a camp. We, we might have something. But until you get on the field, especially after week one, who in here would have raised their hand and said that he was going to be doing what he's doing? He didn't even have a stat. Yeah, he had his worst game of the season right. was his first game of the right. season. <laughs> and then after that, and, boom, and, and he took off. He's been, yeah. He's, he's, he's been player of the week twice. Yeah. He's up for awards now. Yes. Dude has shown up. It's been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, his, 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 really his ascent, if you will, since that first game against ULM. He had three missed tackles in that game. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. That was his bad game. So he, he had his worst game against Texas' worst competition. Right. And the first game they played <laughs> didn't make any sense at all. But hey, man, I'm just happy. Maybe that he, he was nervous for them bright lights. Maybe he was, but you he know? got over. The, I guess the, it was the bubble guts. And <laughs> not at the it butterflies. Wasn't butterflies. It, wasn't it the was butterflies. definitely bubble guts. The bubble guts on yeah. that one. Um, okay, let's uh, talk a little bit about TCU here because there's yep. a. Man, breaking down this matchup, it's so fascinating from so many uh, different ways. And I'll get into this, obviously, more in Raj Ramp today. Uh, But one thing that concerns me uh, right now, just looking at it from the outside, is, well, probably the number one thing is second-half offense for Texas. Uh, That's probably the biggest thing. Because TCU is a second-half offensive team. They're a (laughs) second-half team. Yeah. Um, And just in the kind of raw numbers that I've been able to throw out there, in Big 12 play this year, Texas has actually been outscored in Big 12 play in the second half. All year. Um, So that's a concern. TCU, on the other hand, um, they've been able to outscore teams in the second half in the Big 12 play, but also in play. If you you look at just all the games, Texas has not been outscored in the second half, but in Big 12 play they have. That's the concern for you. Hell, only SMU has outscored TCU in the second half, actually. That was the only game they got outscored in the second half. Isn't that ironic? That his, is strange. His former team. Yeah, that's his the only former one. Team. The rest of the games, they've never been outscored in the second half. Texas has been outscored in the second half in the Bama game, uh, the Tech game, I mean, the Oklahoma State game. I mean, pretty Actually, much every game. Actually, Iowa State game, too. I take that back. Yeah. And the West Virginia game. I was going to say, pretty much every game except for Oklahoma. And, yeah, so. And, and ULM. So, K-State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia Tech, and Bama. Yeah. They've been outscored in the second half. Bama right. wasn't glaring because Bama was like a 10-9. to 9. It wasn't that bad. 
Enough, uh, to, enough to take that L. Yeah, but in Big 12 <laughs> play, it's been more glaring. Tech, uh, 10, 23-10, West Virginia, not that bad, 13-10, but you, you, you beat them so bad in the first half, it didn't matter. Uh, Iowa State, 14-10, um, Oklahoma State, 17-3. The last two weeks, the 17-3 has been glaring. Right. That you've been you've been outscored the last two weeks in the second half, thirty four to six. So I want to. I know we're going to get into TCU this week, but I want mm-hmm. I want to point this out too about TCU. TCU averages forty three points per game. Forty three points per game. They are their opponent averages twenty six, which the numbers don't seem that way because when you look at the scores that they've had this year, you would say, how is that even possible? Well, they've given up. They've scored three hundred and eighty-eight points this year, and only given up two hundred and forty-two. They are they are stout, and that's why they're nine and zero. They've won. I mean, obviously they're undefeated, but there's so many different things that they do. And you're talking about that second half. They score in the first half, but they're not scoring as much in the first half. They score in the second half. Yeah, um, they, I like their adjustments they make. Yeah, they've um, in the first half they've been outscored. I want to say twice in the first half. Yeah, Oklahoma State and K State, um, and T. Uh, Oklahoma State, K State. Yeah, outscored yeah. them in the first half, and that was like twenty-eight to seventeen, twenty-four to thirteen. But they, there's, it's no big deal for them to be down. They don't really. That doesn't really phase, phase them, them at all. <laughs> uh, they're a really mentally strong team, so they're able um, to fight back. And they got a really prolific offense, as you just mentioned. Defensively, they actually are. Yeah, to me, vulnerable to big plays. You can make a lot of big plays on them, and we've seen teams make big plays on TCU. They make really good second half adjustments defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are hell. They're probably a middle of the road Big Twelve defense, and there's not a, thing, a lot of things they do exceptionally well. But they make they are fast. Right, they can run. They're, they're, they are. They might be the. They might be the fastest defense in the Big Twelve. Right. Yeah. They fly. To they the fly, football. man. They run. They, they, they on offense man. too. They're both sides of it. They're flying they all speed. over the place. They got speed and experience. They're the most experienced right. team, uh, team in the Big Twelve uh, overall. But they got a lot of speed. You're right. And it's the best wide receiving core Texas is going to yes. see too, especially with all that size. I'm, yeah. You know, we don't know if Quentin Johnson is going to play the kid from Temple because he didn't play last week. They still won. They still had big plays, but. Him being on the field, where's the matchup with that? Who's going to be the one that is going to be playing against him? We talk about Ryan Watts, who, by the way, still one of my favorite players on this team because mm-hmm. of the way he goes about his business. I said at the very beginning when he came to the University of Texas, I was very happy to get that kid here. But now you're going to have this big challenge of this wide receiver who's not only big, long wide receiver, he's also fast. He can stretch the field. Yeah. So this is going to be a huge challenge for Texas. We saw the game plan that uh, Iowa State used. We were sitting there mm-hmm. trying to figure out, that's the only guy that can beat you, and he's still catching passes. How do we take that away from him? You need to look at that as well. And don't forget about the running game that they have. They have a good that running, running game. game is tough as well. It's the best running game Sonny Dykes has had as a head coach, in my opinion, in the research I've done. And I heard some people talking about Sonny Dykes and how they weren't expecting him to be this good. Have you looked at his record everywhere he's been? Sonny Dykes is a damn yeah. good football coach. Especially lately. And he didn't go to a place where the cupboard was empty. Mm-mm. He went and got – he had Gary Patterson recruited well. 
Well, he remember, had some Gary players. Patterson brought in Sonny Dykes. Exactly. And Sonny Dykes was there for a year with Gary Patterson. Correct. So he knew, he knew that. He knew that personnel. He knew that personnel a little bit. Yes. And, and knew the ins and outs and knew that he jumped on that job and knew like, oh, no, this is a monster. I can yes. go there and get some work done uh, and did a really good job. So, all right, what you got coming in front of people in Harsh Knock Life? I'm going to give you one more review of the dynasty conversation of the Houston Astros. And I want to see, see if this kind of – Changes the way everybody looks. We all know they're dynastic, mm-hmm. but there are some things that kind of put you in the di- di- the dynasty question, mm-hmm. and I want to talk a little bit about that. All right, we'll get into that coming up. Harsh Knock Life on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks. But in front of y'all, I don't speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problems. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a Top of the Charts Tuesday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. You can follow me on Twitter, at Harbaugh Harge. You can follow my man, Rob Babers, at Rob Babers. And we're going to sign a petition to get him on the Indianapolis coach, uh, coaching staff because Damn it, everybody getting a job. My man deserves it. Nobody watches more film than my dog. That's right. Everybody needs a shot at it. (laughs) And my man Patrick Davis, who's always keeping it together, you can follow him at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're part of the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. So there was an article that came out right after the World Series. And my man Jason Stark, who's been doing this for such a long time, he writes for The Athletic, and he pointed out a couple things that – I thought were very interesting. And the title of his article said, now that the Astros have won the World Series again, where is their place? What is their place in baseball history? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been having this conversation. We went back and forth about it. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of what he said. And some of the numbers that he brought up were outstanding, outstanding numbers. And I was like, okay, let's see exactly what it is. And I wanted to bring it up, too. The word dynasty. It's a noun, by the way. It's a noun. (laughs) And its definition is two things. Number one, a succession of rulers of the same line of descent. Okay. Mm -hmm. We know that. All right. Number two, this is is the best part for me. A A powerful group or family that maintains its position for a considerable time. Yeah. So what are we considered that time? What is the big number? How do you want to quantify it? Is it a 10-year span? Is it a five? Is it a six? I mean, where do we want to go? So he brought up some numbers that I thought were outstanding. So from 2017 to 2022, that's been the last six years, here's some of the Astros' numbers. Their win-loss record, 541 to 329. Mm. Their win percentage, 60 Two percent, like that. Sixty-two percent. Their games over five hundred. It's two hundred and fifteen games over five hundred hmm. within that span. Their run differential, they're plus one thousand one hundred and sixty-seven. They've had two World Series, four World Series appearances, and six AL Championship Series appearances. Mm-hmm. That, to me, seems like pretty dynastic when you're looking at those types of numbers. So then he started comparing them to all these different eras of when you have a six, you have two titles and a six, 62% win 
winning percentage. That's pretty important. So you go and look at what the Yankees did from 96 to 2000, not on it. Mm-hmm. The big, big red machine, nope, they're not on it. The Orioles at their early stages, 60s and 70s, and I know some historians will sit out there and try to give you that, they're not on it. The Giants, when they were having their run, they're not part of it either. Yep. So you sit there and you start going back and back and back. They're right there. They are considered in that time frame that type of World Series team. Agreed. So you went to the World Series in four years out of I mean four times in six years. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has really done that. We can go sixty six through seventy one Orioles with Brooks Robinson. They won. They went to four World Series and they had two titles. Uh, nineteen forty two to forty six Cardinals. They won. They went to four World Series with three titles. But you start looking at some of these teams that you're thinking, are they a dynasty? No, they didn't seem like it. Those are some of the teams. But you start looking at some of the other levels. You can go to six straight trips to the league championship Mm. series. That's not anything that you're supposed to be doing. I mean, that's not normal. We could talk about the Braves. We could talk about the Yankees. We could talk about all these other teams. And by the way, we talked about this before. They lost their manager, A.J. Hinch. They lost Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lunau. He's gone. They lost George Springer. They lost Carlos Correa. They lost Garrett Cole. And they're still getting to the World mm-hmm. Series and winning it. They, are, they only have Altuve, Bregman, Yuli, Justin Verlander, and Lance McCullers from that 2017 team where everyone was still going after them. Yeah. You start looking around and you say, how do we get to this point? It's consistency. It's consistency. Even when people are doubting you. You, Rod, you love the fact that they are being treated like the Yankees. Man, they are it. getting hated. A lot of and it. all they're doing is showing up and showing out and being very consistent. And I told you this yesterday, and I'm going to tell you again. A lot of this coming up through their own system guys that they drafted, guys that they have developed within the organization. Mm-hmm. You make a trade here and there, but you get them when they're still in the minor leagues. You're trading for players. Very few of them are going up to the big league. Think about this. They made a trade for a left-handed pitcher, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. He didn't even pitch. <laughs> they didn't even they use didn't him. him. They didn't even use them. They were making moves. They got Mancini. That was a good one. And they brought in Vasquez. Hmm. Thought that was great. He got a big base hit and he played well. Unbelievable. He caught the no hitter. He caught the no hitter. Yeah, I was he like, caught the no hitter. He was giving the, the yeah. dudes, I caught no hitter. He caught the no hitter. And he consistently just played his role, played his role. They went through the postseason. They were 11 and 2 during the postseason. I mean, this is so cool to see. And that's why I hmm. say this is pretty. Dynastic. I know a lot of people don't want to call it a dynasty, but you're getting there. You're in the mix, and not very many teams yeah. can say that they're doing that. How about every year we talk about the Dodgers? The Dodgers, most talented, most they they're spending the most money. Straight cash. The only. Astros payroll ain't even close to what some of these other teams are, but they are consistent. And Dusty hmm. Baker righted the ship. He talked about it. Yeah, they brought me in. They, I'm sure I wasn't their first choice. They were trying to find the right person. Mm-hmm. They gave me the opportunity. And look at here. 
I went to the World Series back-to-back years, and this time I won it. Now I'm in an elite company to where I've won it with a, as a player, and now I won it as a manager. Mm. His life is complete. You know what I'm saying? He's done yeah. everything you could Buck possibly this, do in this Check game, it off. and he's checked it off. So I personally am looking at them as, yeah, we could call them dynastic, but they're pretty damn close to being what many consider a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's still debatable. Even as a Nationals fan, I understand debatable. Those are great numbers, by the way. Uh, they kind of prove the case for those who want to argue that it is a right. dynasty. I just think it's it. They're like I say, dynastic is probably the right word because they're on the path. Mm-hmm. And man, they can win another one, and it may not be a back to back. Maybe it's not the kind of like the Spurs dynasty where they never mm-hmm. got a back to back. Right. But they can just win another one in this stretch and they are young. They are and very they are young. loaded and talented yeah. and they got that pitching staff's gonna be there for a while intact. You talk about all the young talent. They'll definitely contend in the next couple of years for another World Series. Yeah. But they win one, then you shut down the conversation. Then you shut it then down. Then it's done. Yeah. It's 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 a dynasty. And I wanna let I wanna let everybody know this. Uh next week they're gonna give out their Awards. Major League Baseball is going to give out their awards. We had some of the players, uh, the players give out theirs, the players' awards. Mm-hmm. But next week, Jackie Robinson, Rookie of the Year, will be given out on Monday. On Tuesday, the Manager of the Year, and Dusty Baker's not in this. He's mm-hmm. not in this uh, round of it. Neither is my man Pena. He's not part of the Rookie of the Year. But the Cy Young and the most valuable player, Cy Young, will be on Wednesday the 16th, and the most valuable player will be given out on Thursday the 17th. Cy Young, obviously, you know Justin Verlander is going to be in that conversation, and Jordan Alvarez is up for the MVP, but we all consider it Aaron Judge's award. Mm -hmm. But Jordan had a great, great run. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great run. Some highlight. He just had great highlight moments great in the postseason, man. Yeah. He really did. Obviously, even in the World Series, uh, just a kind of a human highlight reel. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, good stuff there, Arch. Uh, trying to make the case for the Astros. I'm fighting for him. I appreciate you making the case. <laughs> As an Astros fan, I'll be humble, even though they got the World Series. Be humble now, because I don't think it's over. It's not. Hey, we got most of those guys on contract till what? Twenty twenty six. Twenty seven. Twenty six. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of those guys are contracts. So that's when you start Astros fans, if you want to start stressing, 2026, 2027. <laughs> yeah. Start looking at that, right? And yeah. you still got a chance. We talked about it the other day. Better get a chance to lock up Pena. Start working on that contract yep. now. Start working on that now. Yeah, get that done. <laughs> yeah. And I know they got Christian Javier locked up for a little while, yep, but yep. hell, man, might as well extend that too. Get I got a stat for you on those guys too <laughs> that you, you guys will. It's going to kind of blow your mind about the pitching staff that they have, and how they got them. So, real quick. Is that starting starting or the bullpen? No, the Uh, starting starting, pitchers, starting starting with Christian. Okay, here it is. Christian Javier was signed by the Astros as an international free agent for $10,000. Framer Valdez signed by the Astros as as an international free agent for $10,000. Luis Garcia... (laughs) Signed by the Astros as an international free agent for $20,000. And Jose Altuve signed as an Astros as an international free agent for $15,000. And he had to go to the tryout four times because they kept thinking he was a kid, like a little, little kid, like he wasn't old enough to be there. And he kept showing up every single day Man, until they said, okay, we're going to give you a shot. 
Yeah. And now look at him. Diamonds you, you in the still stuff. look like a little kid. You used, to, you used to have to bathe in the river because <laughs> exactly. they didn't have plumbing in the house. Exactly. Damn. And that's a lot of these dudes, and they're getting them for $15,000 15, and $20,000. Getting, yeah. getting them hungry. Yep. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. The Astros, I, 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 somebody should do, maybe, I'm sure maybe somebody's already working on it, write a book about the scouting department of the Astros. Yeah. Because it has been amazing, yeah. For hey, being largely a homegrown man, team. there's a guy in jail for trying to tap into it from the Cardinals, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Good there, there is literally a man in jail. <laughs> I mean, he may be out by now, but a guy went to jail because he hacked into. That's the, a great point. You're and right. I'm getting a lot of credit for hacked into. He, he knew the password, that. but yeah, no, you're right. I forgot about I forgot all about that. Yeah, because it's just been. I mean, we go document it over the last five, six years. It's been unbelievable. Right. How many of those, you know, diamonds in the rough they found, uh, just those guys who seemed like they were way off the radar, right. or at least on nobody's radar except for the Astros. Um, so good stuff there, Harch. All right, we'll come back. Matthew McConaughey, the Minister of Culture, he's making moves. He's making moves. This dude we'll get is into making it. moves, man. We'll talk about it right here on the Ball Don't Loud 104 the Horn. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they bring the head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, time to get to our off the record. And this off the record does not surprise me at all. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's been making moves, gentlemen. Uh, we know that he is the Minister of Culture at Texas, also uh, heavily involved with Austin FC as well. Um, and now the latest news from, and this is from the New York Post, Suggests that Matthew McConaughey, a longtime Washington Commanders fan, actually. What? Uh, yeah. He's a Washington fan. I did not realize that. Yeah, he's been a Washington yeah. Commanders fan for a while. Uh, I don't know what the uh, the connection is. I'm sure it goes back to something in his childhood. But he's been a longtime fan of the Washington team. Uh, and as a kid, the team star linebacker. I think this is, this is the backstory. Chris Hanberger had nearly the same name as his favorite food. <laughs> that's what I guess that's why he, he, he took it. He has an affection randomly for Washington. Who knows? Uh, but it, it's reported now that Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z are going to lead an ownership group or at least a bid uh, for the Washington team. Um, and they're going to be part of a group, Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z. And now uh, act, actor Matthew McConaughey uh, is announced to be joining Jeff Bezos and Jay-Z. Yeah. In this uh, this group that is willing to bid on the Washington NFL team, so now it'll be a Jeff Bezos, Jay Z, Matthew McConaughey, and possible group. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant KD wants in. He wants in on this action wow. too, so he wants to be in the mix with this group as well. Well, they're definitely going to get the bid then. So if it's <laughs> yeah, if the if the ownership involved. group includes Jeff Bezos. And also Jay-Z, who Jay-Z is already in with the NFL billionaires. Yep. And they want Jeff Bezos in with that 
group of uh, exclusive NFL billionaires club, and then they can get KD on board too. Yeah, with the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. yeah, and KD being from the DC area as well, that makes it even better. Man, that'd be a crazy random Texas connection. <laughs> I know, right? To Washington, to the Washington, to the Washington football team. I, I just yeah. like when it's laid, when it's laid out there because the other guys are famous, but I just like it when they're talking about the ownership group and how much money people are going to have to put up. It's like, man, do you see the Buccaneers are back there? And you're like, yeah, it's Tom Brady and four practice squad guys. <laughs> yeah, like I get, I get what you're saying, but that's not the Buccaneers. That's Tom yeah, Brady. That's Tom Don't Brady. include them in that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Jeff no. Bezos is gonna pay all this money. Oh, Jeff they're gonna Bezos. throw some money. He just wants their name in there. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, and the actual the sale price for the Washington NFL team right now they're valued at 5.6 billion by Forbes. Uh, remember the Denver Broncos? They set an NFL record when they were just purchased for four point six uh, billion. Would a last be. summer? Would a be billion? Would a be? Wow! Yeah, that was, the, that was by the that was by the Walmart family. That the Wal, right. yeah, that that group there, the Waltons. Yeah. Uh, well, one group of the Waltons. I mean, there are plenty of Waltons out there, but uh, yeah. Mm. So the, the NFL's billionaire club getting richer. Uh, man, that's, all, that's how that works. Richard, and Jay Z, hey, shout to Jay Z getting in on it. Yeah, Jay Z's like, hey man, put me where I need to, to be. Get in on it for a while. He kind of he got in on like basically when the NFL was trying to figure out how to solve their problems. Yeah. Uh, with like race relations and mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick issue, they're still being sued for discrimination actually <laughs> by several. Uh, I think it's now three or maybe it's four. It's like three coaches. Yeah. That are suing them right now, currently, obviously for you know, violating the Rooney Rule, their own rule. Um, they brought in Jay Z to help them. You know, what I mean, kind of relate to uh, the urban uh, urban demographic there a little bit better. There you go. That's there probably go. how they referred to it. Yeah. Uh, but people of color, Jay Z, we need you. Yeah, made, made us look better. The people are basically yeah. saying that we don't know how to relate to or can't relate <laughs> to people of color, and we're not sensitive to their issues. Jay Z came in and I guess kind of schooled them a little bit, and they've been eternally grateful for that. Hey, Jay Z, can you do us a favor? Can you get Dr. Dre, Snoop, uh, <laughs> Eminem, and Fifty Cent to perform? Oh yeah, throw in Mary J as well. Yeah. I that will get the people behind you. I think Jay Z was a big part of that too. Yeah. Jay Z yeah. was a big part of that too, man. So uh, Hove will now get his wish. I think he's been trying to get in on a NFL ownership group for a while. I mean, now it'll be the group with Matthew McConaughey and Jeff Bezos, fit foot most of the bill, but still. Yeah. I mean, Jay Z want to pay his share. I'm I sure. could put something on it. You put a little something. I could put a little something on it. Some some. Yeah. Matthew gonna put a little something. I'm something put on a little it. something on there. Can uh, we just use my name, image, <laughs> and likeness? <laughs> but no, remember at one time Washington was considered kind of an it NFL team. I oh mean, yeah, it was really oh, trendy yeah. uh, and healthy. The Dallas Cowboys want to be a part of the NFC East because Washington and New York they were uh, kind of the it franchise and really cool and. I think they want to kind of bring that back for Washington. Um, Bring it back. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. We're going to bring it back. We're going to bring back a discussion about the NFL. We'll have NFL Week 9 reviews. Also, we'll talk about the move the Colts have made. They named a new play caller. Uh, We're going to pray for Sam Ellinger. Also, (laughs) Cowboys uh, versus Packers. We'll have to preview that matchup a little bit, too, and break it down. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.